Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. We got a good show for you guys today. We're going to debut a new segment called Swap It or Stop It as a means to look at Kyle Dubas's offseason acquisitions and seeing if there was something better in the market that he could have potentially done. We're also going to talk about a couple roster battles, one being the third pairing left side between P.O. Joseph and Ty Smith, the second ever dispute between these two, I guess. I don't know. I was trying to make a boxing reference. It didn't work. But uh, these two went up against each other head-to-head last year in training camp for that final spot. Joseph won out of auspicious circumstances. We'll see what happens in year two. We'll preview what could happen in year two between the two of them and then we'll talk a little bit about the backup goaltender situation for the Pittsburgh Penguins but Horwat, before we get into those two things let's talk about swap it or stop it I'm going to give you a Penguins roster move this summer and a comparable move from around the league you're going to tell me if you would swap them out and take the player from the other team or if you would stop it and keep the Pittsburgh Penguins move all right I like it let's roll Let's start with the third line center position because it's one that the Pittsburgh Penguins always have a vast importance getting a good third line center if they want to win a Stanley Cup. They brought in Lars Eller on a two-year, $2.45 million contract. The comparable that I want to give you is Max Domi, who signed at one year, $3 million. Would you swap it or would you stop it? I think I'm taking Max Domi in that equation. Uh, even with the price tag, it's no big deal to me. The one-year thing is interesting, especially considering um, any other team aside from the Maple Leafs could have signed Max Domi for one year. It's interesting that he chose one year with Toronto, but then all the quotes came out afterwards of, well, I want to play. I've always wanted to play here. I want to play here forever. This, that, the other. All right, sign more than a year. I don't know. It... It doesn't seem very, at least in my eyes, genuine from Max Domi to Toronto, but also I'm not a big fan of Toronto right now. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think I would take Max Domi on my team at that price. $3 million is a, for Max Domi is a pretty good price to pay, uh, especially compared to uh, Lars Eller, who isn't going to bring that offense. We just know that. Mm-hmm. He'll bring that defense. That's perfectly fine. But that offense at... Just over a half a million dollars cheaper for an extra season. I think uh, I think we're all taking Max Domi in that situation. Yeah, I'm I'm on I'm with you on that one. I I would swap it as well. I'd like to see some more offense be brought to the bottom six, and Domi would definitely provide that. Now, listen, we're talking about with the Eric Carlson things. Oh, it's all gas, no breaks. Bringing in Max Domi over Lars Eller would have really been all gas, no breaks mm-hmm. because Max Domi defensively. 
not that good. And by not that good, I mean his underlying numbers are pretty putrid when it comes to the defensive side of the puck. But at the same time, offensively, he's very talented when it comes to what he's able to do. We saw him succeed in Chicago at the beginning of last season. We saw him go down to Dallas and find a nice role in the bottom six there. The only sabotage factor for that, to me, would be who is he playing with? Because the Pittsburgh Penguins' third-line wingers at the moment are likely Alex Nylander, Mikhail Granlund. Would Domi really be able to have that same offensive impact alongside those two? That's the question that I ask. Whereas Eller does bring more of a defensive side of the puck. He does have some offensive ability, but he would actually round out the Penguins' bottom six maybe a little bit better than, than Max Domi ended up, considering who they'd be playing with. Yeah, but I think... Because thanks to the Carlson thing, there's still so much up in the air with this lineup and its construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and even this Drew O'Connor thing, there's still so much in the air with this uh, roster construction that you don't know who he'd really be playing with. Plus, random butterfly effects. Maybe we also go out and sign someone else. Like now, we're just getting off on a tangent. Not what we're here for. I still think at the end of the day, uh, Max Domi would have been more of a play driver for. At least getting some help to guys like Granlund and ee, the name escaped me. I know you just said it. Nylander. Nylander, yeah. Uh, and I think at least Nylander and uh, Domi. That's a that's a duo that Mike Sullivan could probably get behind. I know there's not a lot of defense from the two, but you strap them with a solid defensive third line uh, left winger who we've picked up in spades this offseason. Maybe you've got something rolling there. There you go. Well, let's move over and talk a little bit about the defense here. The Pittsburgh Penguins went out and signed Ryan Graves to a six-year, $4.5 million contract, the most money that they handed out this summer in free agency. But the New York Islanders also paid a lot of money to a defenseman in free agency. Scott Mayfield, seven-year deal, $3.5 million per year. Are you going to swap it or are you going to stop it? Graves for Mayfield. I think I'm keeping Ryan Graves around. Um... It's something about Islander defensemen, first of all, you know they're good, right? That's fine. They don't <laughs> yeah. leave New York, though. They don't leave the island. Lou Lamorello's got a black hole out there that once you're in, you're in, and no news is getting out. Um, but also, I'm just I'm very excited about what Ryan Graves is going to bring to the Penguins, and I'm not super worried about anyone else's defensive signings in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Graves is going to come in and immediately be the Brian Dumoulin replacement, and might have a bit more of a scoring touch to bring along with him, despite the fact Dumoulin picked up a career year in assists. Uh, But still, I think Ryan Graves is going to bring a bit more of a um, couple years years younger, is going to bring a bit more of a consistent defensive uh, output. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm not super worried about... Uh, what everyone else signed for. In fact, I kind of ignored you say the uh, price tag for Scott Mayfield. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I would stop it as well. I mean, you already know how I feel, and everybody listening to this knows how I feel about Ryan Graves. I think the Penguins went out, and they got the top name on the defensive market this summer, and that's something that they needed to do. Uh, When Kyle Dubas looked at this team, he said there's a lot of holes to be filled, and the biggest one in his eyes was goaltender and top side left side defenseman and uh, that's that's exactly what he got from from Ryan Graves as a top pairing defenseman to pair alongside Chris Letang. Now 6 years is a long commitment for defensive defenseman. Ryan Graves will be 34 years old whenever that deal comes to an end. 
For comparison, Brian Dumlin is currently 31 years old, uh, but at the same time, Brian Dumlin had a lot more hard miles on him you know, at this point of his career than what Ryan Graves has at the age of 28. Brian Dumlin underwent multiple lower body severe injuries, including tearing up some... Uh, some why am I I'm blanking on a lot of words? But he, he tore his knee up in that Rangers series, yeah. and hence what you saw last season for Brian Dumlin. Ryan Graves hasn't faced that type of injury as of yet. You just hope that in the next couple of years, he's able to stay healthy while playing on the Penguins' top pairing. Yeah, that. and if you really want to keep comparing it to the Scott Mayfield contract, Scott Mayfield is two years older and signed for an extra year. Uh, so he'll be 37 whenever that deal is done. And, I mean, if you're if you're pulling direct contracts like you doing one-for-one one comparisons like let's mm-hmm. say this is exactly what the penguins were going to sign sure one million dollars is or yeah the one million dollars saved could go a long way especially in the situation the penguins are in right now but it's a full no trade for the first few years and then a modified there's a lot that goes into that scott mayfield contract that mm-hmm. um not that it's going to be a disaster for the islanders it's going to work out great for them <laughs> Uh, but Scott Mayfield, again, he's an Islander. He doesn't strike me as working or fitting really anywhere else. And that contract is, um, it's iffy regardless. And I think just Ryan Graves will work out uh, in spades in Pittsburgh than Scott Mayfield would have. The two Islanders defensemen that I can think of off the top of my head that left the Islanders, one had a lot of success, one didn't. One was Travis Hamanick. He was an okay defenseman when he left the island, but he wasn't as good as he was when he was with the the New York Islanders. The other one is is Devon Taves or Devin Taves or mm-hmm. however you say his first name. He's been very good for the Colorado Avalanche. But hey, listen, Scott Mayfield, if you look back at those series, I wasn't a fan of the way he played the game, but it was effective, and that's the reason that he was able to ink a long-term deal with Lou Lamoretto and the New York Islanders. Let's move over to the goaltending position, one that I'm sure a lot of people are going to have varied opinions on. Tristan Jari comes back to the Pittsburgh Penguins on a five-year deal worth $5.375 million per season. The one comparable that I want to bring up, Horwat, is Jonas Corposalo signing a five-year deal with the Ottawa Senators at $4 million per season. Are you going to swap it or are you going to stop it? Jari for Corpusalo. So here's one that I think I'm going to go with. I'm going to stop it again. I'm going to go with Jari just for the sake of him being the better goalie. Not going to look at the contract too much. Not going to look at uh, the injury history too much. Just kind of going to look at the sake of Jari put up these numbers and Corpusalo put up these numbers. I get the teams that they were both on last year. Yeah, the Penguins weren't great, but by God, the uh, Blue Jackets weren't much better. Mm-hmm. But still, I think Jari's the better goalie. You're going to pay that kind of goalie. Um, the money he deserves was the term a bit much. Yes, but that is a discussion we will have every year until the contract ends. I think just in the grand scheme of things, Jari was is the better option. We've said it on multiple occasions. In terms of free agent goalies, which they both were, Jari was the best option available. The Penguins landed him. So, unless you're finding a trade comparable, uh, Tristan Jari was, uh, Tristan Jari is going to beat out every goalie option that was out there. 
Yeah, there hasn't been a trade. Like that's the, that's yeah. the one thing. It would have been interesting to be okay. Tristan Jari and his five-year contract versus whatever the return was for Connor Hellebuck, whatever the return was for John Gibson. But because none of those goaltenders have been traded, it's not a comparable that we're able to make. But with Jonas Corposalo, I think we really need to understand the Pittsburgh Penguins needed a starting goaltender. And while Jonas Corposalo, he's going to be the starter for the Ottawa Senators this year. He hasn't been in his career. Mm -hmm. He has never played over 40 games in a single season in his entire career. And he is one year older than Tristan Jari. Even Jari last season, a season that when you think about it, everybody thinks, oh, he it was marred by injury. He missed so much time. Tristan Jari still played 47 games last season. You're looking for a starter, and Jari is a starter, whereas Corpusalo isn't. They signed for the same amount of time. Jari for a, a million and some change extra. I think the Penguins got the better of these two deals, especially when you look at the fact that Tristan Jari is a two-time All-Star. Corpusalo has never been to the All-Star game. Jari's save percentage was 915 over the past four seasons. Corpusalo is 902. Mm -hmm. And when you look at goals saved above expected, which tries to take out the actual defense in front of them, Jonas Corpusalo is negative 18.9 over the past four seasons. Tristan Jari is plus 40.6. So, uh, you know, much better goaltender. And the contract is not that much more severe for Tristan Jari over Jonas Corposalo. So I agree with you. I, I'd stop it and I'd keep Tristan Jari in this scenario. Yeah, if we're if it was still pre uh, pre free agency, maybe there's a bit more of a discussion to be had here because uh, obviously things weren't set in stone. We didn't kind of we haven't had the uh, the the press conferences of everyone being super confident in Jari and his abilities, uh, it would have just been more of a, well, we're all in the mindset of we need a new goalie. Uh, now that the Penguins have stuck around with him, I think we've all kind of settled into, he's the guy, everyone is confident in him, and let's go forward with it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I think maybe if we have this discussion in, in June at some point, maybe the outcome's a little different, but for now, uh, this is just the way we see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a big part of this is and this goes for every conversation we have in this segment is the contract that was signed um, if you would have told me hey Tristan Jari at this contract or Jonas Corposalo at a contract for a 1a maybe a 3.5 million dollar contract the same thing Jari was just under for lesser term maybe it becomes a discussion because then you say okay if you can do that maybe get uh, another goaltender to be a 1b and then you have a little bit of a different you know viewpoint of it but at the contracts that were signed I don't think it's a question that Tristan Jari uh, at the moment you know obviously things can change as the season progresses but at the moment it looks like the Pittsburgh Penguins have the better of the two contracts at least uh, looking at it at this standpoint from this certain point in time yeah that's what it is it's the Penguins have uh, achieved the better goalie in the grand scheme of things just looking at the numbers too it's just the way it is mm-hmm well, let's finish this one off with the second-line left-wing position. The Pittsburgh Penguins went out and acquired Riley Smith via trade. He has two years remaining on his contract at $5 million per year. The Penguins acquired him for a third-round pick. Meanwhile, another one for the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Tyler Bertuzzi goes to them for one year, $5.5 million. So Riley Smith versus Tyler Bertuzzi, Horwat, would you swap it or would you stop it? <sighs> think I'm going to keep Riley Smith. I know it was a trade that was basically for nothing. It was essentially a signing. Um, but Tyler Bertuzzi is just, I don't want to say still unproven, um, but he's never, 
struck me. Yeah, struck me as a guy that uh, has a label, really. Um, I think there's still more that needs to be grown there. Uh, whereas Riley Smith, you know what you're getting. You're getting a championship pedigree right away. Obviously, we, he still uh, has that Vegas uh, stink on him, which is a good thing coming into this year. I think mm. he's going to be just that Jason Zucker replacement, that easy one-for-one one of we got Riley Smith in because Jason Zucker was on his way out. Um, it was easy as that. I don't know if Bertuzzi would have filled that role the same way. Uh, coming from someone who hasn't looked into Tyler Bertuzzi quite like you have. So maybe you have a different opinion, but I'm riding with the uh, Riley Smith trade. Yeah, this is the closest one in my eyes because I will Riley Smith and Tyler Bertuzzi, I think, are both pretty good at 5-on-5. Five five. I think both would be really good alongside Evgeny Malkin. The biggest issue for me is... Riley Smith can play the penalty kill, whereas Tyler Bertuzzi does not play penalty kill. Mm -hmm. That's the one sabotage factor for me is that, listen, while Riley Smith comes in and, yes, he might not have as high of upside, yes, he's a little bit older, yes, he has a longer contract than Tyler Bertuzzi by one year, he is able to play that penalty kill, which I think is going to elevate Brian Rust on the other side by, you know, by default when Rust doesn't have to play as much time shorthanded. But I would still, in the grand scheme of things, looking at this, and it might just be my personal opinion, because I have a little bit of a bias, I really like Tyler Bertuzzi as a player. I would swap it, mainly because Bertuzzi is younger. He plays with much more of an edge than Riley Smith does, and I think that's something the Penguins need more of in general. Uh, so bringing that in, I think, would be really good alongside Evgeny Malkin. And I think he does bring a little bit more offensive pop to the top of the Penguins lineup. If you look at the last two seasons... Bertuzzi has 92 points in 118 games. Smith has 94 in 134. They're really similar in that aspect, but when I look at what Tyler Bertuzzi was able to do when he left Detroit and went to Boston last summer, or last spring, I, I guess I should say, that's what really showed me, okay, this guy is ready for the limelight. This guy is ready to play with superstar talent. He Not that he wasn't in Detroit. Dylan Larkin's really good. Lucas Raymond's really good. But you saw when he went to Boston, all of his underlying numbers absolutely exploded. And himself, as far as an offensive threat, that exploded as well. I really liked what I saw from him. And at one year, $5.5 million, you're buying, like you mentioned last week, a one-year deal. What's a one-year deal? If it doesn't work, let it go at the end of the season. And at a younger age, I think that's somebody that could be part of the Penguins' future and could help extend this window more than if Riley Smith comes in and is unable uh, to really recapture what he's been able to do in Las Vegas. So it's interesting Clearly, Tyler Bertuzzi just wants to play for original six teams, I guess. Uh, but I would swap it. But again, there is a sabotage factor in that Riley Smith is going to help Brian Rust by the fact that he plays the penalty kill. Yeah, it's. I think the ripple effect with Riley Smith might be better and bigger mm -hmm. than uh, what Tyler Bertuzzi could bring. Because again, one-year deals, where, where one-year deals, sure, I'm very open to signing many of them and just seeing what you can do. The issue with them then becomes you're not building great... Uh, He's not building out a lot in that situation because he's players in that kind of situation might just be focused on making sure their game is good and not um, super worried about what the other what the other not what the other teammates are doing. They always want to win, but mm -hmm. there isn't as much of a team aspect to those signings. I don't know why it's I can't explain it in my head, but I can kind of see it in uh, what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, essentially, when you sign, whenever you have multiple years, you know you're going to be there for a little bit, whereas one, you're just trying to prove yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. 
and that's your main focus. I think, especially in, in the, especially when it's Toronto that you're signing with. One year in Toronto, what exactly are you trying to prove? Because that's a team that, I mean, we're not here to discuss the Leafs, but they have to figure a lot out quickly, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like a weird situation that, and if we're going to bring it back a little bit, that both Bertuzzi and Domi would sign there. Uh, and I get Domi's situation. That's just where he wants to play. But for Tyler Bertuzzi, I mean, you had an opportunity to go anywhere. And where do you fit in that lineup? They're stacked to the gills of $10 million players that uh, you're, that uh, might be running the room. We don't know what this team is doing. It's weird. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't have joined that team if I was him. But that's just me. Uh, and as for Bertuzzi and Riley Smith here. I'm still keeping Riley Smith. I think he's going to bring more of a positive aspect to a locker room that genuinely needs it. Yeah, with with the whole Toronto situation, the way that I would see it if I was Tyler Bertuzzi, and I, I honestly I would go sign there as well, especially considering when you look around the league at how many players. I mean, Jason Zucker is another example. They signed a one year deal. They said, you know what, we were playing well. I mean, if you're Bertuzzi, he had a really good finish to the season. If you're Jason Zucker, he had his best year in Pittsburgh last season. We're going to sign a one-year deal, make a good amount of money, but really try to put ourselves in a position that we're going to be able to succeed and then really capitalize it next year and hope that the salary cap goes up and people are more willing to go out and pay those long-term, higher-paying deals. So if you're Bertuzzi, you get an opportunity to maybe go play with Austin Matthews. And yes, there is a chance to win a Stanley Cup with that team because, as we know, that team is going to be one of the best teams in the regular season. And they have the star power, and they got over the hump last year of actually winning a single playoff series. So maybe you go there for the hopes of a Stanley Cup and playing with a really good player and then maybe cashing out that following year. So I agree with, uh, you know, I would I would have probably chose Toronto over Pittsburgh personally in that in that aspect, because when you look at Pittsburgh, they do have, you know, same thing as Toronto. They have a lot of top six talent. Um, but honestly, when it comes to the two of them, may I probably would have swapped it to take Bertuzzi, but at the same time, you know, I'm not mad at having Riley Smith because I think that it's, he's really going to be a good fit for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, some roster battles for players that are actually on the roster talking P.O. Joseph versus Ty Smith next here on the Tip of the Iceberg. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Let's talk a little bit about roster battles because training camp is still a little under two months away when it starts in in late September. I I don't know the exact start time. I'm not sure if they released it, but usually it's around September 20th, September 21st, whenever the Pittsburgh Penguins arrive at training camp and open up practices in Cranberry. But One of the roster battles is going to be the second straight year, and that is P.O. Joseph and Ty Smith battling it out for the role of third pairing on the left side. Last season, Smith outperformed Joseph in camp, according to a lot of people, including both of us who were there to watch it. Um, But he wasn't able to get the actual spot because of his waiver exemption. He doesn't have that this year. Horwat, let me ask you this. With still some time, obviously, before we see them battle it out at camp, 
Which one would you prefer to see make the lineup as it stands today? It, it's such a hard decision. I, I, I You almost want to say both, but you know you just can't in this situation. Um, but I think... I think I would have to say P.O. Joseph just because we saw it in the NHL a lot longer. We saw the production that he can bring both uh, defensively and offensively. Sure, maybe toward the end of the year there was uh, a bit of a tail... Not a tailspin, but a bit of a fall-off. Just... But at the same time, everyone on that team was kind of drifting away at the end of the season. I think because he's the proven commodity, Joseph comes into this camp with the upper hand. Not that Ty Smith isn't a proven commodity. I mean, I think he's played more games in the NHL than P.O. Joseph, which is uh, a stat that I always forget about. But I think because he has that full season under his belt in Pittsburgh, you saw what he can do. Um, maybe he just comes in with the upper hand and ends up taking it again. I don't, I think they're both great players. And I think, uh, POJ has really, really entrenched himself as a penguin so far. I think he's enjoying it. I think the fans love him. It's now just a matter of maintaining that spot. I think he's going to be the one that pulls it out again. And that just might be what I want better for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if only one of these two guys can make the roster out of camp, I agree with you. I'd probably go with Pierre Olivier Joseph at this point, mainly because, I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been skewing defense all summer long, and that would just be skewing defense once again. I mean, P.O. Joseph is better defensively than Ty Smith. I mean, that's just the plain fact. Now, would Ty Smith be a better puck mover? Yes. Would Ty Smith be better at getting the puck out of the defensive zone? Yes. Would he have a better first pass? Yes. But P.O. Joseph isn't, you know, inept offensively from the blue line. He, he does have some ability when it comes to that first pass. He has really good vision, and he has shown that he has the ability to take the puck up the ice on his own. But Ty Smith is just a little bit better offensively. P.O. Joseph is just a little bit better defensively. What I'd really like to see is the Pittsburgh Penguins have eight defensemen on the NHL roster, but the problem with that last season was the Pittsburgh Penguins couldn't fill out the full 23 roster spots and stay under the NHL salary cap. Now, will that be an issue again this season? Only time will tell. There's still one monster move left to happen, or at least you would assume one monster move is left to happen for the Penguins during this offseason. So we'll see where that leaves everybody. But I think Ty Smith deserves more of a shot this season at the NHL level. Uh, the Penguins aren't going to stay completely healthy like they did last season. I mean, for the most part, the Penguins were really healthy on the blue line. At, at the end of the season, they had a couple of guys get injured at the same exact time. Ty Smith was included in that, getting a facial fracture in, I believe, February of last season. So I'd like to see him get more of an opportunity. I'd like to see him get more of an opportunity earlier in the season this year for Ty Smith. But the question then becomes, Horwat. What would your thoughts be about a Joseph Smith third pairing if Smith moves to the right side and one of Petrie or Ruta ends up being moved? I, I'm fine with that too, because like I said, part of me wants to go, why not both? The only holdup I have there is how good are these guys at playing, like certain guys uh, are at playing the off the offside? How good are they at playing with their, uh, with the opposite, on the opposite end of the ice, just in terms of, can you bring that same production? Does it throw your mojo off? Because a lot of times I think of, you know, hockey as you're not necessarily set in your position. Where in like baseball, 
you're your first baseman. You're there. You're not moving outside of that radius unless there's a shift or whatever that may be. Hockey, it's a little more free-flowing. You are switching sides pretty often. You know, defensemen are pitching, pinching pretty often, pulling some forwards back. Um, there's a little bit more flow to it, so maybe it can work out, and maybe you get used to that sort of deal. Um, I don't hate it as long as they're comfortable with it. I guess that's kind of the conclusion I would have to come to there just because there is a lot of flow in hockey, and uh, it's just a matter of comfort, for, especially for uh, a 22-year-old. Maybe 23 now, but still, it's ve- that's very much a comfort thing for Ty Smith. Yeah, this defense pairing would make me a little bit nervous. I mean, it gets a yeah. little bit too much like the Joseph Ruedel pairing, which wasn't bad last season, but when you look at Ruedel compared to Ty Smith, I think you would give the defensive advantage to Chad Ruedel, and the one issue that that pairing had was protecting the net front, and I don't think Ty Smith really brings all that much added net front presence when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins defense. So it does make me a little bit nervous. Um, The one thing that would make it make a little bit more sense is the Penguins are better defensively when it comes to the bottom six, Mm -hmm. which is primarily who the third pairing is going to be matched up with and paired up with when it comes to the forward side of things. So maybe that makes up for it a little bit and your ability of Ty Smith to get out of the zone unscathed, to get that puck out in a quick transition, maybe that helps you and you don't have to worry as much about getting hemmed into your own zone. Um, And I do, I really like what P.O. Joseph showed last season. I think that he was much better than expected. I think that a lot of people got on him because the only reason that he made the roster was because he wasn't waivers exempt, uh, whereas Ty Smith was. But I think he really took that opportunity, he ran with it, and he became an everyday NHLer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, I'd prefer Joseph over Smith heading into camp, But with all things being equal and both of them having to go through waivers if they need to be sent down, I think there's a real shot for Ty Smith to beat out P.O. Joseph if he beats him in training camp the same way that he did last season. Because I don't think there was a question last season. Joseph had a a rough training camp, whereas Ty Smith looked really good. That was the overall consensus, yeah. But money and waivers became a thing. Yeah. And we are once again here with this defensive logjam. Just another season of this, uh, and I think a big question will kind of, I mean, it's, I guess, not really a big question, but is it assumed that one of these two is involved in an Eric Carlson deal? Like, is that just, is it, because we have to relieve that pressure somewhere. Sure, Jeff Petrie has, will be, will likely be moved out somewhere as well, but is this the skill guy going the other way, and for what it's worth, the one going to San Jose whereas Petrie likely has to go to a third team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, that's a, the big question when you can look at the entirety of the Pittsburgh Penguins offseason that remains, is what ends up happening with the Eric Carlson trade? Who goes out? Is it Drew O'Connor? Is it Ty Smith? Uh, but leaving that to the side for right now, um, with these two, putting them together, it, you would have to see P.O. Joseph take that next step as a stay-at-home defenseman. 
Like that's that's mm-hmm. that's the big thing. If he can become more of a stay-at-home defenseman, more of a steady force in his own zone, be better in his own net front. Obviously, he's not going to be able to clear out like the Milan Lucic's of the world, the Tom Wilsons of the world. But if he's able to clean up the garbage in front of the net a little bit better than he did last season and take a stride forward, then I would be open to seeing what these two could do together. Because I feel like having those two as your third pairing is very inexpensive and it's very good for the team going forward. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm just not sure that I expect P.O. Joseph to take that next step and to see Ty Smith on his off wing, whether or not those two would be able to work together would be an interesting thing that I'm not quite sure I would be entirely comfortable with until I was able to see it on the ice. Yeah, we would have to see it on the ice. Also, just picture a right side of Chris Letang, Eric Carlson, Ty Smith. Who's playing defense there? Well, that's why they're going with the left side of defense of Ryan Graves, Marcus Pedersen, and and you're hoping P.O. Joseph. <laughs> uh, you're, I mean, yeah, you're, I, I understand that, but like, it's that's, uh, yeah, it, it, that's kind of what makes sense. But uh, and the real answer to that question was the bottom six. Yeah, that's true. The bottom six will provide a lot of defensive help as well. But <laughs> it's it's gonna be. It's going to be an interesting month to see who is here and who is not here come the open of training camp. But if these two guys are here, they're going to be going head-to-head again. And I think it's going to be an interesting battle this year because P.O. Joseph, I feel like, got a lot of momentum last year and probably a lot of confidence uh, for the season he was able to have with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, let's talk a little bit about the backup goaltender battle between Casey DeSmith and newcomer Alex Nedeljkovic. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins have about six or seven goaltenders at this point. You know, all of them, I wouldn't say around similar levels. Obviously, you have Tristan Jari, who is undoubtedly the starter. Then you have Tier 2, which is Casey DeSmith, Alex Nedeljkovic, maybe Magnus Helberg included in that tier. And then you have tier three with your Garrett Sparks, with your youngsters in Joel Blomqvist, uh, in Taylor Gauthier, uh, missing one. They signed somebody else, I'm pretty sure, but somebody else is down in the minors. Um, But really the backup goaltender position is going to come down at this point, it seems, to Casey DeSmith and newcomer Alex Nodelkovic. This is, you know, DeSmith, a lot of people want to see him gone. Uh, I don't think that's uh, that's breaking news. I think you're included in that horror. You would have liked to see a new backup goaltender in town over Casey DeSmith because he's been the ba- Penguins' primary backup goaltender for the past four seasons. Mm-hmm. He's played 120 games, has a 9-11 save percentage, not bad, oh, yeah. and uh, 12.6 goals saved above expected. I don't think that's the issue with Casey DeSmith. The issue is not how he performs when he's in the role of backup. The issue is, if something is to happen to the starting goaltender, which it has for the past two seasons, is Casey DeSmith able to step up and be that number one guy? And the answer has been no, right? He looked good two seasons ago in the last couple of games when Tristan Jari broke his foot, and then he got injured in the playoffs, in the first game of the playoffs, and we all saw how that ended up going. And then last year, Tristan Jari goes down, Casey DeSmith has a little bit more time to be a starter, and eventually... 
you just notice that he can't deal with the actual workload of being a starting goaltender in the National Hockey League. Enter Alex Nedeljkovic. Struggled over the past two seasons with Detroit. The Pens are hoping for a return to form from his Calder rookie season and signing him to a one-year contract. Who would you give the advantage to entering camp between DeSmith and Nedeljkovic? I think I think Nedeljkovic because there's a lot riding on this damn Carlson deal. It's going to keep getting in the way of everything because the Penguins cannot continue their offseason or their cannot continue their roster construction without that deal either made or officially done with. Mm-hmm. Uh, because maybe Casey DeSmith is involved in this deal. Because when it comes to this now, we had a def- we have a defensive logjam, now we have a goaltending logjam because, like you mentioned, there's Jari, DeSmith, Nadelkovich, Magnus Helberg, Garrett Sparks is down there, albeit on an AHL contract, but he's down there. And then two guys that are vying for NHL roles one day. That's five, what is it, five goalies that all have... It's, I forget what it is. It's a number of NH, of NHL experienced goalies plus two more that uh, might have that pedigree. That's a bit much. Now I get that the Penguins might run a three goalie system too, which would I would assume involve DeSmith and Djokovic. Well, now you have a great logjam in the AHL. Have fun with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in this situation, just because he's been around. For so long, but I said this on the uh, around the four one two podcast. Backup goalies don't normally last that long with a team. I've, I, from what I can remember, I don't think I've seen a backup goalie last this long with a single team ever. Uh, this is some weird thing going on with DeSmith and Pittsburgh. It's perfectly fine that you read those numbers. He's a perfectly fine and capable NHL level goalie. Not going to define starter or backup. Perfectly fine and capable NHL goalie. But that price tag is a little steep. I know Nadalkovich is only $300,000 cheaper, but it's for uh, just one year. I know, And I know DeSmith is one more year, but it, after everything we've gotten, um, this goaltending group just needs something fresh. It does. Sure, and, and, and you planted your flag into Jari, so that part's not changing. So you kind of need to freshen it up with a different backup. Making it Nadelkovic just seems like, at least to me, the smarter move because it's something new. It is something that this fan base can go, okay, they're, they are trying when it comes to the goalies because after the New York Islanders series a couple years ago, we were there were people screaming and shouting for Ron Hextall to move on from Tristan Jari. Not only did he not move on from Jari, he doubled down and handed out a contract to Casey DeSmith. Now here we are, a couple years later, uh, many people wanted Jari to be gone. Again. Well, we doubled down and we kept him around, with a new president of hockey operations in town doing it this time. Uh, and I just don't see DeSmith lasting through this. Or we run the three-goalie system, but that I, the more I think about it, the less likely I think that is. So. See, I'm on the opposite side of you with, with the three-goalie system. I said on the same podcast you mentioned, mm-hmm. I mean, go check it out. We uh, we joined Smitty and Tyler on around the 412, and the one thing that I said there is I would be surprised if Casey DeSmith is not heavily included in all of these trade talks with the San Jose Sharks for Eric Carlson. The more time goes on and the more that I look around at the league and the landscape of what we've seen in goaltending, the more I think that that's, that might not be the case. I, I mean, you look at... 
last season, just as an example, the Florida Panthers went to the Stanley Cup final. They used three goaltenders, right? They Throughout the season, they used Spencer Knight, Sergei Bobrovsky, and Alex Lyon. Now, Spencer Knight left on auspicious, not auspicious. He left due to circumstances that we hope that he obviously gets the help that he needed, but they needed three goaltenders. You look at the Vegas Golden Knights. They needed three goaltenders. Not necessarily were they playing a three goaltender system, but they ended up needing three goaltenders because Logan Thompson was not the guy. Jonathan Quick was brought in to be a little bit more of a buffer. And then Aiden Hill ended up being the guy to get them the Stanley Cup. The only team that truly played a three goaltender system last year was the Buffalo Sabres. They had who Craig Anderson, they had uh, UPL Ukopeka Lukanen, and then they had another one before they brought up Devin Levi. Um, so it, it is an intriguing thing in the National Hockey League now that if you don't have that true number one, that Andre Vasilevsky, that you know Ilya Sorokin, that you end up going and saying, we're going to likely need three goaltenders this year at some point in time. Now, here's the thing. If you roll the dice with the three goaltenders, DeSmith and Nadelkovich, all staying on this team going into the season, I don't think they keep all three up at the NHL level, but I do think that they try to send one down through waivers. And that might be why you bring in Garrett Sparks, Magnus Helberg, because if one gets claimed on waivers, you have that other NHL type goaltender that's a little bit better. I would say Helberg is a better option than you've seen in the past with a Dustin Tokarski, with a Louis Domingue, with a Maxime Lagasse. I think Helberg is a step above those guys, Mm -hmm. which is why he was brought in to be that number four and that in case of waiver claim between DeSmith and Nedeljkovic. Great class in case of waiver claim. Um, Yes. (laughs) Don't forget the Carolina Hurricanes running a three-goalie system, too. I, they're, like, the first team yeah. I always think of when it comes to it because those are three, two legitimate starters in Anderson and Kachetkov, and then a 1B in a, uh, Antti Ranta. Uh, but also, you're right about the waiver claims thing because as we were discussing uh, Jonas Corpusalo, whenever I pulled up the Ottawa Senators... Uh, cap friendly page he's their only nhl level goalie under contract they're gonna need one and if one hits waivers boom there's your backup i would and i would assume because of the recency of the signings of nadelkovic we could throw helberg into this list those two are not gonna hit waivers i mean helberg probably won't period but those two aren't going anywhere if anyone's hitting it it's thanks to the older contract, because I always feel weird about signing a guy and immediately losing him. Mm-hmm. I would assume that it is DeSmith that gets placed on waivers. Sure, the contract is a little more beefy, but the Senators have the space, and they need a backup goalie, even if it is just for a single season. Um, plus, running a running a one-two punch of Corpusalo trying to prove his worth as an NHL starter to DeSmith as a backup... Uh, that's not a bad situation for the Ottawa Senators. And also, when it comes to the San Jose Sharks and uh, Casey Smith maybe being part of a deal there, uh, the Sharks are set on goalies with if they're set if they're sticking with Capo uh, Kakinen and Mackenzie Blackwood there for uh, as their second goalie. So who knows if they even need a goalie to be involved. Um, in any sort of way i can't i don't recognize these names in their system i believe one of them is supposed to be really good though uh 
so it, it, the goaltending situation is weird. I also don't know what other teams have floating around and what they might need. If DeSmith was to hit waivers, I don't see him making it through. So we're, we might just be down to only having two goalies anyway. Well, uh, here's the thing. The waiver period doesn't go into effect until 12 days before the start of the regular season. So there is a chance that the Pittsburgh Penguins could say, okay, we know who's won this battle, mm-hmm. whether it be DeSmith or whether it be Nadelkovich, with about two weeks before the season, say, okay, the waivers go into effect 12 days before. We're going to send this guy down now. And then you're going to have to deal with it during the season if something happens and you have to bring him up. But you don't necessarily have to force somebody through waivers before the start of the regular season if you make that decision with more than 12 days before the season begins. But when it comes to the two of them and who I give the advantage to entering camp, I would say it's Casey DeSmith. Um, simply because, while yes, DeSmith showed that he he can't fill in in an injury situation for a long period of time last season, he has still performed better over the past two seasons than Alex Nedeljkovic. And he's been here, which let's, let's not discount that fact when it comes to who... Mike Sullivan would want as his backup on opening night. His numbers altogether aren't bad, especially when he's a backup, like we mentioned. So I think that going into camp, I would give the advantage to Casey DeSmith, but I do think it's a true competition in that if Nadelkovich outperforms him, I don't think that he could just rest on, hey, listen, I've been here longer. They're probably going to stick with me. I still think Casey DeSmith needs to outperform Nadelkovich, but I do think it's DeSmith's job to lose. That's fair enough. Too. That is a fair enough step. Uh stamp to take on it as well uh hockey reference has finally updated we now have the 23 24 pages set and all four goalies are currently listed on the roster and of course this is just (laughs) hockey reference speaking this doesn't mean they're actually on the roster but it is 32 year olds to smith and helberg and 28 year olds jari and nadelkovich fighting it out over likely just two spots Mm -hmm. uh because you know the three goalie system has been a successful one for many a team I just, the more, I don't know why, just the more I think about it, I don't see us doing it because we're going to put a ton of faith into Jari, probably. Also, Ty Smith is still on this roster as well. There you go. Yeah, it, it it's intriguing because you know at some point this season the Penguins are probably going to need to use the third goaltender. Yep, right? that's usual. A lot, of teams, a lot of teams have had to do that over the past couple of years. It's not just the Penguins that are dealing with goaltender inju- injuries. I mean, we mentioned last year. We talked about the Vegas Golden Knights. We completely forgot the fact that Robin Leonard didn't play at all last season. And uh, Lauren Bersouat had his hand on the thing, too. Exactly. So, you know, you need multiple, you need more than two goaltenders at this point in the NHL. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are stocked up and ready in case something does end up happening. You know, knock on wood, Tristan Jari said he's 100% entering the season. Uh, You hope that ends up being the case. But the other thing about the three goaltender system you mentioned there, I mean, Ty Smith, are you going to bury him in the minors again are you gonna bury mark friedman in the minors again do you want to play with just one extra defenseman as a healthy scratch do you want to play with just one extra forward as a healthy scratch or do you want to take multiple guys in case of injury um that becomes a really interesting interesting question for the pittsburgh penguins and what they end up doing and how they end up constructing the roster out of training camp, but we still have a couple months until then. Uh, we still have a lot of stuff to discuss when it comes to the off season, obviously not very much news happening, but you know what? We're here. Anyway, we talk Pittsburgh Penguins hockey twice a week on the tip of the iceberg, three times a week, extra on penguins to go. We are going to take a quick break just as a programming note. We will take a quick break in August between, I believe the ninth 
and the 20th. There will be no new episodes of The Tip of the Iceberg or Penguins to Go, uh, but then we'll be back that following week with, again, five episodes a week as we've been doing this entire summer. But that is going to do it for this episode of The Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.